Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. But why Moses and Elijah? Why are they there with Jesus? I mean, if a couple of folks are going to join him, why not Abraham? Why not King David? Why not some of the other great heroes of the faith? Why Moses and Elijah? And the question is answered in this way, that it may very well come back to their association with the law. Remember that Moses and Elijah are prominent figures in regard to the law. You say, how so? Well, Moses is known as the giver of the law. Now, he didn't write it. He didn't create it. He just received it from God, and then he gave it to the people. But because of that, he is known as the giver of the law. Elijah, on the other hand, is known as the guardian of the law. His most notable defense of the law was his stand against Israel's idolatrous rejection of the law, resulting in the rise of Baal worship. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 through 20, we find Elijah there confronting and defeating 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So perhaps it has to do with that. Because, you know, one of the things that we discover when we look at Jesus' life is this, is that he made it very clear what his stand was in relation to the law. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I've not come to abolish the law, but instead I've come to fulfill it. And how did Jesus come to fulfill the law? He came to fulfill it through his redemptive work of death and resurrection. And fascinatingly, that's exactly what Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were standing there talking about. They were talking about the upcoming redemptive work of Jesus. Some of your versions, you find it says that they were talking about his departure. Well, that word departure comes from the Greek term from which we get the word exodus. Exodus as in Moses who led the Israel in their exodus from enslavement to Egypt. At the moment they were standing there, Jesus was on the verge of an exodus himself. Three days after his death, a concept that the disciples struggled with, Jesus would make an exodus from the grave that would result in countless sinners being led out of bondage to sin. And it's just fascinating to me to come to understand that they're standing there talking about this very thing. Because remember, the exodus out of Egypt was nothing more than a big picture of what the ultimate deliverer would do and how people would be set free from the bondage and enslavement of sin. And so they're talking about that. You know, when we think about the law, oftentimes we tend to think that the law and grace are not friends. Oftentimes we, we kind of subtly think that the law and grace are actually enemies. But truth point number two this morning tells us that the law and grace are not competitors. Instead, they are co-laborers. They are co-laborers in God's redemptive plan. The law reveals man's depravity, and grace extends God's mercy. And there you have standing before Peter, James, and John, Jesus, Moses, Elijah. You have two representatives of the law, and you have the one who's going to fulfill it. 
You have those who represent a body of work that reveals to us our sinfulness. And then you have the one standing there who's going to purchase the ability for our sinfulness to be turned into his righteousness. By the way, the first step to receiving mercy is coming to grips with one's depravity. And that's how, mercy, that's how the law and, 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 and grace work together. Do we all understand that you cannot be saved by obeying the Ten Commandments? Do we understand that? Somebody says, well, why did he give them? He gave them to show you just how sinful you really are. He gave them to show you point blank that you can't merit God's favor in your flesh, that you just don't have it. I don't have it either. And that's the first step. we got to come to understand that we can't do it on our own. We have to understand that we need a Redeemer. We need a Savior. And of course, that's what we were just singing about a few minutes ago. That's why the Lord Jesus came. And it's through his sacrifice that mercy and grace have been provided. Well, I can't say whether or not Peter, James, and John understood the significance of the scene that they were witnessing, but what we can say is that they were overwhelmed by what they were seeing. You know, sometimes when a person's senses are overwhelmed, have any of you ever experienced that? Have you ever had your senses just become so overwhelmed you just didn't know what to do? How many of you have ever experienced that? I'll tell you, for the rest of you, it's, 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 it's quite a thing. And it comes from all kinds of stimuli, but sometimes things that are in front of us, things that are happening to us, just become so overwhelming that we just freeze. We don't know what to do. And sometimes when people are overwhelmed like that, they blurt out strange things. And that's always been the accusation toward Peter when he made his statement here about, hey, it's great that we're here. Can we build a couple of tents and can we all just stay right here together? We think, oh, where did that come from? That's just stupidity. He's just talking out of his head. Well, maybe, but maybe there's an explanation that gives some legitimacy to why Peter would even say such a thing. New Testament chronology. I knew that was going to happen. New Testament chronologists have determined that the Jewish month in which the transfiguration took place was Tishri, which is the month of October. The month of October is the sixth month before the Passover. Tishri was the month that the Jews celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of booths. And if that's the case, if these scholars are right, that means that while Jesus was up there flashing lightning and and glowing and all this kind of stuff, and the disciples were looking at him and just going, wow, the same time that was going on, then down in Jerusalem, they they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of booths. You say, well, what is that? Well, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths was a feast that lasted seven days, and the people would build small shelters or booths to to symbolize the small uh, temporary shelters their ancestors lived in while in the wilderness. The celebration was a, a memorial to God's preservation of his chosen people, Israel. You'll find information about that in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 through 44. And it may be very well be that Peter, of course, would have known if this is the case, that this was going on. And now he sees his Lord in this transfigured state, and he sees Moses, and he sees Elijah, and he thinks to himself, wow, 
We've got the Messiah here. We've got Moses here. Uh, We've got Elijah here. We don't need to go to Jerusalem. We don't need to celebrate with everybody else. Jesus, you don't even need to go to Jerusalem to do anything about your ultimate plan. We can just build little shelters and we can just stay here and we can just have ourselves a holy huddle. And sometimes, isn't that the way we behave? When it comes to our knowledge of the Lord or our experience of the Spirit or the blessings that we have experienced, we tend to want to then come together as a, as a group, a homogeneous group. We're all saved. We're all born again. We're all Jesus lovers. And we just want to come together. And we just want to stay together. And we just want to bask in the glow of His glory. And we just want to love each other. And that's all well and good. That's awesome. May we have more of those times, but... You know, ultimately, it's not about huddling together and just experiencing what we have by ourselves, is it? It wasn't what Jesus was about either. Jesus had a divine appointment in Jerusalem. He had a cross that he had to bear. He had a death that he had to die. He had sins that he needed to atone for. He had a resurrection and ascension and all these other things that were coming up. Yeah, it's great that they were up there, but there was more coming. And I would just encourage us to remember that. That ultimately our purpose is not just to huddle together, but to go out into this world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Because there's a whole lot, thousands and thousands. There's most likely over 350,000 people in Des Moines alone who need to hear the gospel. And while it's great to huddle together, and while it's great to sing songs of the faith, and while it's wonderful to read the scriptures and pray together, we had roughly 100 people here this morning praying together. While all that's beautiful and wonderful and it's so encouraging, and I'm not making fun of it in any way, I think it's awesome. We just need to remember that when we walk out that door, we need to continue being active for Jesus at the workplace, in our community, in our school, at the gym, wherever it is, we need to be continuing the work of Christ. But anyway, that might have been the motivation for Peter's statement, which made me think of truth point number three, which is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, which says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. You know, I I read that to you just to say this, that sometimes the best thing to say when you're not sure what should be said is to say nothing at all. We don't always have to say what's in our mind. Sometimes it's best if we don't. And no matter how well intended Peter's motivations might have been, they were still wrong on so many levels. And so we find in the passage, verses 34 through 35, that as Peter was babbling on, the father interjected himself into the scene to say what really needed to be said. And so as Peter is rambling on about tabernacles and booths and such, we're told that the presence of Yahweh, the presence of God the Father, began to descend on them in the form of a cloud. And it says that they were very afraid, and rightly so. What an experience. And then from the cloud, God said something that we all would do well to hear and to heed. He said, speaking of Jesus, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. You know, as I picture this in my mind, I can't help but think about all the things that they have seen and heard over the preceding two years. 
All of the miracles that they witnessed, works that only God can do. And all of these now come together in this one moment defined by one sentence whose backdrop is the manifest glory of God radiating from Jesus and he's accompanied by Moses and Elijah, two of Israel's most prominent leaders. And the statement is this, this is my son. This is my chosen one, my anointed one. Listen to him. And that brings us to truth point number four, which says that Jesus is the word of God. We should listen to him because he is the word of God. When he speaks, it is backed by the full weight of the Father. And there is no other communication that is as loving, helpful, authoritative, and life-transforming as his words. We need to hear him because he is God's son, his anointed one. And so we find Peter, James, and John They have seen the divine glory of Christ radiating from Jesus. They have heard the voice of the Father declare his true identity. They have experienced all those other things that I started out with at the beginning of the message. And the question then is, what else could be experienced? What else could be said? If their souls were not bursting with faith by now, what else could generate it? They have just witnessed the glory of God and his kingdom on display. And there is nothing, there is nothing greater than that. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.